Hey friends, Chris and Matt here. Before this week's episode of Wrestle Buddies, we wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the speaking out movement that's been happening throughout the world of professional wrestling over the last week and a half. Many of those in the industry who have faced sexual assault and harassment uh, are, are coming forward and they are tremendously courageous and we stand with them, as Chris has already said. But more importantly, this is a time to listen, a time to move forward, and a time to progress becoming better people and to not let toxicity like this continue to happen within the wrestling industry, the comic book industry, any type of industry at all. We have to make a change for the better. What they're doing is also really important because it is building a better wrestling industry for the future. As you do know, we record these episodes pretty early. So in the midst of editing this particular episode, all of this came out. So please do what you can to support these victims and on with the show. Welcome to Wrestle Buddies GameSpot's wrestling podcast about friendship, wrestling, and wrestling with friendship. I am GameSpot News Entertainment Editor Matt Elfring, and with me, as always, is my closest wrestle buddy, Chris Hayner. Hey, Matt, how are you doing this week, buddy? Whip, whip, whip. I'm doing great. Needs to. <laughs> sounds like you're doing fantastic. I'm also doing pretty well. Uh, we are alone this week. Keisha was with us last week. It was wonderful. I'm back to just you again. You're back to stuck with me again. But I think we've got a lot of good stuff going on to keep us entertained. I think I think we have tons of great stuff ready for the listeners to enjoy. Chris, give us a rundown. Okay, well, so I don't even know where to start. So we're going to jump in the nostalgia machine and go back to the year 1998 this week. Well, we're going to talk about the time, not RoboCop, but Chucky came to WCW. You know Chucky, the lovable doll that also murders people from the Child's Play movies. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk not about the him. Mark Hamill one. We're not talking about the Mark Hamill Chucky. Good We're movie, talking about though. a great movie. I love, I've, I've watched it 3 times now. Good work. I re- I really really enjoyed that movie. I love it. We're talking about that the the older Chucky which was a serial killer soul and voodoo demons in a body of a puppet harassing rick steiner for some reason yeah yeah of course uh we're also gonna open up the gimmick junk drawer and talk about one of my favorite characters that did not last very long i don't even know if you remember this character matt mordecai i vaguely remember him you want to know a secret to the planning of this episode Hmm. Um, yesterday i almost deleted the words mordecai and put in paul birchall Oh, (laughs) if you think we're not going to do a segment about pirate Paul Birchall at some point, you're out of your mind. Remember when he remember when he would swing off of the Rey Mysterio explosion stand down to the ramp? It was so stupid. So good. He was like a a he was like a well-known indie wrestler. And they're like, we know pirate. Mm hmm. And I think Dakari Sane. Yeah. And I think eventually if this is turning into a Paul Birchall segment, but I think eventually didn't they turn him into a guy who is having some sort of weird incestuous relationship with his sister, Katie Lee Birchall. Yep. Yeah, probably. (sighs) Anyway, we're not talking about Paul Birchall today. We're talking about Mordecai. We're also going to check in on everyone's favorite noted vampire warrior, professional wrestler Gangrel. But before we do any of that, Matt, no, no, no. Yeah, okay. we're doing it. We're doing it now. We're kicking it off with Gangrel Watch, I guess. Hey, everybody. It's everybody's favorite mini segment, Gangrel Watch, where we keep up with what's going on with vampire wrestler Gangrel. <laughs> this is we weren't going to do it again this week, but there are two things of note from Gangrel, not to us, but to the world that we need you all to know about. Yes. Chris, Gangrel. Tell us first. Oh, my God. Gangrel Nation. There is so much happening with our favorite vampire warrior pro wrestler this week. Uh, The first thing is he sent out a tweet that included a shocking amount of hashtags. I'm going to read them all to you. Uh, It was simply an image of what looks like a pro wrestling class that I believe he taught. And he wrote 6 p.m. session in the books. Now on to 8 p.m. Hashtag pro wrestling. Hashtag want some. Hashtag get some. Hashtag bad enough. Hashtag Hashtag take some hashtag all in 24 seven hashtag hard work pays off. This is where it gets crazy at GWA, Florida. 
Hashtag can't stop. Hashtag won't stop. Hashtag banging and banging. Hashtag Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum. Now, only I one love of those, this. Yeah, only one of those is relative relevant to me, and that is hashtag fanging and banging. But I appreciate that he hashtag want some, get some, took a break from that, and then went back to take some. I want to note something about this picture. It's everybody from his wrestling school. And great on him that he's running a wrestling school teaching the next generation. Again, I love Gangrel. That's why there's this exists. Yes. Uh, Gangrel everyone in the picture. Everyone in the picture but Gangrel is wearing a mask. Well, Matt, I don't know if you know this about Gangrel. He is a vampire. He is undead. So I do not believe he can catch the coronavirus. Oh, okay. I mean, it's it like that, that, that is, that is the best I can come up with. Um, other, uh, other notable things happening in the world of Gangrel. Oh, is this that, is the one. This is the one that like, we got really excited about. Like, I think it was the day after we recorded last week's episode. Absolutely. Yes. On the website connect, which is like cameo. Uh, but, but not, not cameo. cameo. <laughs> <laughs> it's where you can uh, pay celebrities money and they will send you messages. Gangrel has appeared on connect and you can for $25 get a video sent to you of Gangrel saying something. We're going to do it for this show. Yeah, If you think we're not going to do a, a Gangrel fake cameo for not only this show, but this segment for Gangrel welcoming you to Gangrel watch, you are out of your mind. I wonder what the legality is of us being able to use that every week as the opening to Gangrel watch. As, like, as, if, as far as I'm concerned, if he's making the video for us and we're paying for it, it's our video. Oh, boy. Because right? if he can open up Gangrel watch, that would be the best. I can do it. Ready? Hey, yeah. this is the Vampire Warrior Gangrel. <laughs> ch, 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 ah, you're listening to Gangrel watch. That no, hurt my I, throat I'm, so bad. I'm still going to do the chit 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 ah ah ah. Oh, he's oh just... we're going to do the weird breathing over it for sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're also definitely going to get Gangrel to be a part officially. Although he may not agree to be for it being officially a part of Gangrel Watch. We we need Gangrel on Gangrel Watch. Anyway, that's the Gangrel, the Gangrel Watch for the week. <laughs> Uh, Chris, let's go to our main segment for the week. Yeah, we'll see you next week, Gangrel. Kicking off the show. Uh, you know what? What an appropriate segment to follow up. At. Honestly, I would call Gangrel the greatest vampire warrior professional wrestler of all time. Uh, yeah, so, easily. Yeah, but who is the greatest of all time? Matt and I are going to have a very serious debate about who the who the true goat is in professional wrestling. Uh, full disclosure. Uh, we have not discussed who we're going to pick at all. So we might nope. end up debating why the same person is the goat. I should also note, I just noticed for the first time that Matt is wearing a t-shirt that says hashtag no ketchup. I wish that was part of the Gangrel tweet. No, that's it's a, uh, it's a, it's a weird inside joke between my friends. Oh, well, I still wish it was part of Ga Like I wish Gangrel was one of your friends. No, he's not. Unfortunately one day. When I think about the best wrestler, of all time, the greatest of all time wrestler. Mm -hmm. Only one name comes to mind, and oh. that is the Lionheart, Chris Jericho. Oh, Matt. Okay, let's hear. Did you pick someone different or the same? Um, I kind of want to pick someone different now. Oh, did you pick Chris Jericho too? Of course I did. Yeah. It's I. So I. So okay. Full disclosure. Well, this segment's over. See you next week. Well, full disclosure, we've we, we've known this was going to be the subject for a couple of days, and I've been going back and forth in my head about whether the goat, the true goat, I have three in mind. Okay. In fact, you know what? I'm actually going to go away from Jericho, and I'm going to let you have that, because one of the the three I had in mind were obviously Jericho. Yes. Uh, Eddie Guerrero, who, in terms of in-ring work, I think might be the goat, just in terms of just yes. his talent. Um, I think had he had his had he lived longer and his career gone on, I think he would be a, a top contender for the GOAT because he was only getting better with age. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, the one I am actually going to go with is and I think it's debatable, but it for my money, it is hard to find a better wrestler 
all-encompassing wrestler character work image everything than the undertaker okay i uh all like right. okay so yeah you can you can uh, you can have jericho i love jericho with all of my heart we share a name we're both chris's we're in the chris club uh but i will let you have him for this i am gonna roll with the undertaker we're gonna you gangrel's fanging and banging me and undertaker are digging holes and burying souls i hate to say this i think uh chris jericho versus undertaker for goat it's a it's an easy layup for chris jericho to be honest wow wow yeah oh i'm gonna get hate for that yeah from me and my friend the undertaker (laughs) well state make your case all right uh Chris Jericho is undeniably one of the best workers in the ring of all time. Mm-hmm. Fight me. Um, but I don't whether want he's, to. I don't, I don't want to fight anybody to be honest. Uh, he helped uh, completely. He, he helped give WCW's mid card a reason to watch. I mean, it's obviously him alongside of Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Ray Mysterio. There's a whole group of guys there that really made the cruiserweight division. Amazing. But I would say that Chris Jericho stood out from the rest of them because he is such an intriguing character, really knows how to get into a story and make him worth watching. Mm. I would also say he's one of the greatest heels of all time, Uh, whether he's (laughs) mocking Dean Malenko's 1000 holds or uh, he knows trying to keep. He has a thousand and four arm bar bar. two arm drag. Or whether he's trying to convince people there's a conspiracy against him in Washington, D.C., which is a promo I still don't understand, but love with all my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from that, he is, uh, you know, he's wrestled the WCW, WWE, AEW, and everywhere he goes, ECW, he too. makes the company better. He also wrestled in ECW and ECW, Mexico I, and Japan. Mexico and Japan, yes. Uh, I always forget about his stint in New Japan, even though him and... Omega had one of the best battles of all time. Uh, I do not agree with that, but you don't agree with that. Uh, it's it's a it's very much a, a Japanese wrestling match made for American fans. Okay, if it wasn't if it wasn't Chris Jericho of now current day, yeah, uh, it wouldn't have been a street fight. Because uh, Chris Jericho of latter day would be able to go on Kenny Omega's level just in terms of technical wrestling. Like yeah, yeah. no sweat. And it's not a knock against Jericho. It's just the truth of like aging. Jericho's getting older. It's and like, it doesn't make sense for, he's not going to do a four fifty splash sent on fire, thunder, blah, blah, blah. I, I mean, it, it's still Okada and Omega as the best match I'd say of all time, but I think I'd say Jericho. Are you sure it's not Randy Orton versus edge? Ooh, boy, that was the greatest of all. I mean, it was the greatest match ever according to the, Marketing for the episode for the match. <laughs> but Jericho does make everywhere he goes a better place uh, mm-hmm. and more watchable. Uh, he's also very good about in his latter years, taking people under his wing and elevating them. And he's obviously helping them become better wrestlers and performers and on the mic as well. Mm-hmm. But if you if you think about some of some of the best segments in wrestling uh, not wrestling itself, but some of the best segments, you know, Jericho is at least three or four on that top 10 list, hmm. which is crazy. But you think about festival of friendship. It's one. That's one. I would, I would, I, I'd say man of what a thousand and four. What holds. are the other four? <laughs> man of a thousand and four, four holds. holds is a good one. Yes. Uh, his AEW festival one. Oh, I know the, that's newer, but that was amazing. The AEW, fe- the bubbly bunch. No, 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 no. He did the festival thing celebrating the inner circle. Oh, yeah. That just felt like reha- like that just felt yeah, like old I hat it. rehashing to me. Like I was fought, like I didn't dislike it, but I but it wasn't a groundbreaking moment for, for his, me personally. Okay. Well, his introduction into WWE uh, when he was going toe to toe with The Rock on the mic. Uh, my favorite thing about that whole moment is that even Jericho looks back on that with like, what was I doing with my face? Yeah. <laughs> Cause he's making these weird, like as the rocks talking to him, he's like biting his bottom lip and making these weird faces. And even he doesn't know what the he was doing. I, I will admit that when I call Jericho, the, the greatest of all time, there is an insane amount of bias on my part because he's the first wrestler that I really like loved. I mean, as a kid, I, of course I loved million dollar man, you know, I loved a bunch of, but 
kind of as a teenager, like he's the first dude I really like gravitated towards. I'm like, this guy is super fun to watch in the ring. He's doing things at that time. A lot of other people in American wrestling were not doing, and he's a lot of fun to listen to on the mic. Mm. And he's only gotten better in all of those aspects as he's gotten older. He'll, his in-ring ability is starting to slow down, but he's found a way to evolve. So it, you know, it's still interesting. And he, you know, he can't lie insult as much as he used to, but that's fine. Because now he just turns in a circle and hits you with his elbow. That's a, okay. The Judas effect is the worst. It is so <laughs> dumb. <laughs> what have I become, man? Ugh. Anyway, great song. Opening argument for Undertaker. Uh, If you ask Chris Jericho who the goat is, Chris Jericho would say the Undertaker. Like, all right, let's call him. I I, I actually, I think I used to have his number from an interview I did. I don't anymore. (laughs) Undertaker is the measuring stick for pro wrestling, and he has been now for 30 years. It's. There are things about Jericho that I think are incredibly admirable, and I think he 100% belongs in the discussion of who is the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been able to reinvent himself time and time again. He like he and, and as you said, he's great in the ring. I think what Jericho hasn't done that Undertaker has that I think is incredibly important to this particular specific discussion, because we're not talking about the greatest like technical pro wrestler of all time. No. We're no. not talking about the, the greatest promos of all time. We're talking like in my mind, the goat is the person who had uh, the lasting impact. Undertaker is a character slash performer that was able to, and continues to break through to the mainstream and he's done mm-hmm. it. Never doing he like Jericho's wonderful. But what I will say about Jericho is I think a lot of his modern day popularity is driven by the fact that he is so open with the fan base. He has his podcast where he's able to talk directly to his fan base. And it like that that's still that 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 might be. I'm I'm laughing because I'm imagining like anytime on his podcast, he starts talking like. But before you get let, let, let me talk about Blue Chew. Let me tell you a little about Blue Chew. <laughs> Blue Chew is just like this struggle that we're all going through, right? Um, no, it, but like he he has wisely used his platform to sort of expand his platform. And mm-hmm. that's very, very smart. Undertaker only started doing that in like the last year, year and a half. Before yeah. that, he was able to re he was able to get to the heights he was without social media without in without interviews like i just he i just listened to him on uh the wwe after the bell podcast yeah and he said in the last eight weeks he's done more press than in the previous 30 years combined undertaker doesn't do press like that and that was and he and he was so so close to that character and so protective of that character. He didn't do interviews. He, he like you, now you see him like posing with tigers on social media. You didn't see stuff like that. Back, like he was very guarded and undertaker. Yeah. That character had this aura about it that rose above just pro wrestling. It, it is a mainstream thing. When the undertaker, when the lights went out on friggin' the tonight show with Jimmy Fallon and the undertaker walked out and choke slammed Jimmy Fallon through his desk that was ridiculous and that was that's the kind of thing that like only a character that has as big of an impact as an undertaker can do but by by measuring how great they are based on pop culture popularity why don't you just say hulk hogan's the best of all time the greatest of all time why don't you say ultimate warrior macho man um Macho Man that you can actually, I think you can, he's the one out of the three I listed, you could make an argument <laughs> I like, for. I was going to say, Macho Man, you can probably make an argument for, plus his appearance on uh, uh, Arsenio Hall is It's so good. And also his rap album, Be a Man Hogan. Uh, but you, Be a Man think, Hogan? <laughs> while I'm not knocking, I think The Undertaker is very, very special, one of the greatest of all time, but I don't think you can measure most of this based on He's gone into the mainstream. That no, doesn't. no, not at all. I'm not saying I'm not saying that is the that like I think that is one of the ingredients that makes I would him say the greatest that's, of that's, all time. That separates that I would say it separates Undertaker and Jericho very much so. But I would also say like, yes, the the uh, in the past two to four years, Undertaker's streak of rep matches 
has not been great. And the Mm -hmm. fact that he's open about that is incredible. And I love it. But like a undertake, I can watch undertaker in his prime matches and his prime lasted from like 1990 to 2015. And like, they're great. And, and you mentioned Okada and Omega as, uh, the, one of if not the greatest match of all time yeah. uh, i would throw the 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 sean michaels undertaker wrestlemania matches in that same conversation oh they they're if, if there's a top three i'd put omega okada at, at one and then the two mania matches would take her Shawn michaels right after that actually and and yes a lot of that goes a lot of that is thanks to Shawn michaels who is another one that could definitely be in the like the conversation about who is the goat but like mm-hmm. that also a lot of that conversation has to revolve around Undertaker, especially as a big man Th- that a big man wrestler can move the way he moves, can do the things he can do. It's a lot like especially given when he came into the business. You look now you look at it like Keith Lee is a big dude. Keith yeah. Lee can do some incredible things in the ring. Yeah. Like when when you now big guys go to the top rope, big guys do more aerial maneuvers. But like the fact, like when Undertaker, when you the first time I saw Undertaker dive out of the ring, my mind was blown because I was like he is way too big to be doing that. But yeah. he did it with ease because that's just the kind of athlete he was. He's also, I think, and I think this is the thing Jericho does well, very well as well. That is sort of lacking in sort of the new the newer generation of pro wrestling. It's the storytelling. Yes, I you'd be hard pressed to find a better told story than so many Undertaker matches, even even his say what you will about the American badass. I am personally a huge fan of that sort of run. It's not my thing. It's not my it's great. I, for, I understand. It's great for what it was, but it's not my thing. I'm personally a fan of that that run, especially when he cut his hair short and went full blown heel. He yeah. had he had a feud with Ric Flair. That involved him literally going to OVW and beating up uh, Rick's son, David. <laughs> like he beat David Flair. But, and like it's for watching it. It was one of the most mesmerizing segments of TV I've ever seen because this was before like Triple H went to Randy Orton's house and threw a sledgehammer through his window. Like this was this was the Undertaker making it so personal because he just hated Rick Flair. Yeah. And then it culminated in what I thought was like a really good, not not technically sound match, which is what Ric Flair is known for, because that it was just a fight. These yeah. two ripped each other apart at WrestleMania, and it was so good. Also, I hesitate to mention the streak because the streak is talked about to death. But like that is also very much a facet of like the legacy of this character that is something that will mm-hmm. never be repeated. And I would go to to Jericho and say that his legacy is kind of it's not him slowly doing it. I would say he's the most high profile guy out of this group, but kind of ushering in the idea that cruiserweight wrestlers can be world champion. Cruiserweight wrestlers can be non-cruiserweight champions in general, you know, alongside others like uh, like Dean Malenko and I don't want to say the air guy's name because <laughs> he's a yeah, monster. I, I understand. But yeah. Uh, he really ushered and led the, and led the way for that idea. And to be honest, I'm kind of jumping around a little bit here. If Owen Hart hadn't passed away, he would have been that guy, you know, absolutely. He would have been, he would have been the guy that kind of led in that a cruiserweight could, or a smaller wrestler could be a champion. But if we look at WWE now, obviously right this second is a bad idea to look at it. Cause you have Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman as champions. Mm-hmm. But look at all the champions before them and after them. It's going to be smaller guys that are kind of complete packages. And I feel like Chris Jericho was one of the few. I might I might take flack for this, but one of the few guys during that time that felt like a complete package that was a smaller wrestler. Yeah, in your face, Shawn Michaels. One of the few. <laughs> that's why I said that like that. Yes, Chris Jericho is not uh, the muscle. He's not a muscle no. guy um, that uh, labeling Chris. I know WCW did it, but it always drove me insane. Labeling Chris Jericho as a cruiserweight because he's because he's not a cruiserweight not at all. No, like he's not six, five, 350 pounds. But Chris Jericho, while like not super tall, has never he's not really a small guy. He no. might have been small by comparison to like early 90s WWF. 
But yeah. like he's always been a, a like a, a decently sized dude who he's a like, Bret Hart size guy. Yeah, cruiser. And Bret Hart's not a cruiser weight, but but for the purpose of the conversation and for the time that time during wrestling, anybody who's not eight twelve, that's nine feet tall, and four thousand pounds, you know, anybody that's middle, you know, medium sized build is considered a cruiserweight by the standards of WWF and WCW at that time. Except for Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. And Sting. And St- and, St- and Ric Flair. Ric Flair. Well, <laughs> it, oh, I feel like Rick, I'm, I'm Rick, digging a hole. Ric Flair is li- literally labeled a cruiserweight in one of the WWE games. Yeah, he is in um, I think it's WWE 06? versus SmackDown with, featuring uh, ECW. Oh, is that which one it is? Yeah, I think so, so. It's so weird to have Ric Flair fighting for the cruiserweight title. Because, you know, before WWE became or WWF became a gigantic thing, like a guy like Ric Flair's size was just a guy. Yep. Yeah. But when Vince kind of ushered in the thanks, you got to be a giant to win, you know, a giant named Andre God, giant Gonzalez. Um, but yeah, I I'm not in any way anti looking at Jericho as the goat, but like, it's just for, for my money, it's, it's about, it's about a total package. And I don't mean Lex Luger per se, because I, I would not, I would not necessarily <laughs> call him a total package. Uh, but did like, you see him, did you see him pick up and slam a Yokozuna <laughs> on the giant battleship or whatever? Oh my God. That's right. When it was, that was the Lex express. The Lex time, express right? Yeah. Jesus. Lex Luger's on a bus tour. Why? We don't know. America. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's yeah, I'm, it's weird. Like for me, it I it all it, it all comes down to what you define as what is the greatest of all time. And for me, it's yeah. sort of an all-around package where and where marketability and ability to break through to the mainstream has to be a, a part of that because it's pro wrestling. Yeah. Like if if like that that's just that's just part of the show. If you can't and and that's not a knock against Jericho. Jericho connects with an audience unlike Almost anyone uh, else. Jericho was in the MacGruber movie. Yeah, so was the Great Collie. Are you saying the <laughs> so Great Collie is Henry, the goat? So was the Big Show, and they all got blown up in a van. Yes, an MVP, was it MVP? I think G- so. I think yeah. it was. It was. Mm, I think it was MVP. I, did, I I know we don't talk about like what's going on in wrestling right now. I just want to quickly come in and say MVP is Bobby Lashley's manager is fantastic right now. That's it. I'm done. This is the first time I've cared about Bobby Lashley. Dot 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 ever ever, <laughs> and it's great. Um, bye Lana. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know how, I, I don't know how we're going to declare a winner here, but like, yeah, I, it's subjective. That's the it's, issue. That's, I mean, yeah. When we, when we declared WWE the winner during the pandemic, uh, wrestling, that was also wrong because AEW was the winner. It's uh, true. I regret my stance. <laughs> uh, yeah. With the grace of all time, it's all about what you think makes for a great wrestler. If you're a person that's just like, I want, someone that's great with in-ring ability and it's, I don't Daniel Bryan. I don't know who's the best in-ring ability guy right now. Oh, it's AJ Styles, intercontinental champion and noted not necessarily, but maybe a flat earther. Yeah. Uh, no, in terms of in-ring ability in de- well, and that's the thing. If you're talking about in-ring ability, do you mean only within WWE? Do you mean, cause like Daniel so many Bryan, different styles yeah, within WWE, I'd say, yeah, it's probably Daniel Bryan, but like, yeah. You'd be hard, like for me, you'd be hard pressed right now to find a more interesting to watch wrestler than I'm a Cody Rhodes. Honestly, I find Cody Orange Rhodes, Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is very. There was something magical about Orange Cassidy. It's true. Because and, you look and up also the guy. there's something magical about the best friends theme song. Yeah. Bob, but a Bob, but a best friends. There is something magical about a guy that like. Orange Cassidy is the most is a super gimmick wrestler where he's like, he's a sloth and he's boring, but he'll do moves with his hands in his pockets. But then he'll put on like a 20 minute match. That is a barn burner with anybody. Mm-hmm. And he's not using utilizing the gimmick the whole time, but it's amazing how good he is at everything except on the mic because he doesn't talk. He does sometimes now he does. He was on Brandy Rhodes's web series. Oh, right. Uh, cook things. Yeah. Uh, can I give you my last my last pitch on the undertaker is the go. Yes. 
he was able to go to the ring to Kid Rock and or Limp Bizkit and still make me excited to see his matches. If that doesn't sell you on him as the GOAT, I don't Kid know. Rock what and will. Limp Bizkit during that time were the two most popular groups. Actually, Limp Bizkit was kind of falling in popularity, but they were both they were garbage. Keep rolling, rolling, rolling is arguably the worst song ever made. You know, I saw Kid Rock and Limp Bizkit together live, right? That was, sounds uh, like something you would do. Free ticket. Ugh. That I believe you. Yeah, I absolutely believe you. But yeah, uh, I think the I think the uh, the result of the debate is we're both right because they're both great and everybody wins. I apologize for calling uh, Chris Jericho an easy layup over Undertaker. <laughs> I apologize for you um, forgetting that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart exist. Bret, I don't think Bret Hart's the greatest of all time. I don't think he's, I don't even know if he's in the discussion. I think he would be in the discussion of greatest technical wrestler of all time. Yes. Yeah. I think Shawn I mean, Michaels is absolutely in the, the in the discussion for goat. Let's just let's just have a name a namer off of who is in. We've already talked about Jericho and Undertaker, but just naming names, who else would be in that discussion? I'd say Macho Man Randy Savage. You yep. go now. Ooh, I mean, for me again, it's the same for the same. Well, I mean, no, I'll just go easy. It's like Ric Flair. Yeah, Rick Shawn Michaels have, will put in there as well. Oh, I didn't realize I could use Shawn Michaels. My bad. Um, yeah, well, um, for me, a lot of it comes down to the same reasons for The Undertaker. Like, I think even though his run has been limited, I think it's hard to not include The Rock just in terms of impact. Not mm. not the great, not 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 a super technical wrestler, but the matches he could put on with the right opponent were incredible. Like for me, for me. As much as the technical wrestling is important, the storytelling of that match is even more important. Like, you, yeah. I want to be drawn in and, like, be emotionally invested in what's happening. And I love spot fest. You know me, Matt. I love a spot fest. I love when the young bucks climb ladders and do flippy things off the top and so, land on their heads. <laughs> One of your favorite matches is young bucks uh, versus the Lucha Brothers. I find those matches ridiculously entertaining. I love them, but they are they, frustrating. Yeah, they don't make sense. But... I'm impressed by the things they can do. And I will uh, lastly leave us with a in, in talks. The greatest of all time is obviously RoboCop. Let's move to the next segment. What about Gangrel? <laughs> One of these times we're going to, we're going to have a, a very serious debate about like the best gimmicks of all time. Best uh-huh. short lived gimmicks by short lived. I mean like five years. It's Hollywood rock. Hollywood rock is the best short lived. We're not doing that. It's time to move on to the nostalgia machine, Chris. I'm sorry. It's time. We're going, we're going back. We're going back, Marty. That's my Christopher Lloyd. It's terrible. It's nothing like that. It felt like Christopher Lloyd was in the room with you. Oh, he's so weird. I am in this room alone with no fans on. I'm in the floor. People don't know this. I'm in Florida right now. And I don't know if you've been to Florida before, Matt. It -hmm. is so humid all the time so no one can see this but it looks like you're in um like you're in a prison yeah (laughs) you're in you're in prison like on a video conference and this is costing me 40 dollars a minute to talk to you oh yeah can you give me your credit card number (laughs) i gotta pay off the warden bro i've been watching oz again for the millionth time and i just yeah (laughs) i'm gonna get an oz tattoo i think (laughs) oh jesus please don't do that you don't want to do that. The guy who created the show did it. It's in the intro. Yeah, but you're you're not the creator of Oz. No, I'm not. <sighs> All right, let's All go right, back. Let's go back in time. I'm gonna go back in time. Uh, the year is 1998. I know mm. what you're thinking. What a year that was. That was the year that I legit don't know. I have no idea what else happened in 1998. Oh, I know. Um, I that was the year that I. Uh, met my wife oh cool almost yeah, we actually that's when we started dating and then we got married a long time later did you watch wcw together here's the thing oh boy she hates wrestling yep we did uh no her mother uh so my wife's mother and i used to watch uh nitro together really and my wife would be there but like she wasn't into it her mother and i were just like talking about wrestling nonstop. Wait, when did, when did you meet your wife? 
98. Like, but like when it was it early in the year? Was it later in the year? It was later in the year. So like, like no, maybe October, maybe October. Yeah. So it is within the realm of reason. No, we didn't see this episode together. Oh, bummer. Okay. Well, yeah, we're going back to 98. We're going back specifically to October 12th, 1998. But before we get to this moment, let me set the stage for you. After so many years together, the Steiner brothers, Rick and Big Papa Pump, have split. Big Papa Pump is Scott, man. I'm not sure if you know that. Uh, They have split. They're feuding. They're going to face each other at Halloween Havoc. Leading up to this for weeks and weeks, there's been maniacal laughter echoing through the arena. And nobody knows. Nobody knows what it's about. It's like, (laughs) wait a minute. Is it a ghost? No, it's a doll. Technically, it's a ghost. Oh yeah, it's it's a ghost. We had a ghost on the show inside of a doll. So on October twelfth, Mean Gene Okerlund is interviewing Rick Steiner in the middle of the ring, asking him like, "How are you going to beat up your brother at Halloween Havoc? Like, what's things like at home? Is your family okay now that your brothers now that your brothers are feuding? Why did you dye your hair?" Why are you calling? Why are you calling yourself a dog and a gremlin and all these horribly ugly things? Like, what's wrong? Stop with calling you? your fans freaks. <laughs> my freaks, my peaks. Um. So, <laughs> Mean Jane is interviewing Rick Steiner, and then they hear the laughter happens again, <laughs> and then out of nowhere on the screen appears none other than Chucky. Oh, no. Yes. Chucky from Child's Play. More importantly, Chucky from October 1998's Bride of Chucky appears on the screen. It's a fine movie. He's in a director's chair. He's. It's seemingly that he's on set, maybe. Um, And what's weird is the entire segment is pre-recorded. Yeah. Like all of Chucky's parts are pre-recorded. They're played, and then Gene and Rick have to reply to them. The timing is really, really, really bad. I encourage you. Actually, I think Matt, you're going to drop in some sound. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play as much as of it as I can, so you can get a taste of just of the segment in general. Wonderful. If not, just go to YouTube and search out Chucky in WCW. It's all there. It's all. It's all very, very bad. Uh, Chucky is there. Robocop was there to promote Robocop 2. So naturally, Chucky is there to promote Bride of Chucky, which comes out like a week later. Um, And he's also there to let Rick know that he's Team Scott. He is Team Big Papa Pump. He doesn't give a care about Rick. He thinks he's lame. And he also says this. This is the part that kills me. He tells Rick that Scott is the lead in my next big project. Let me let's just play the audio for this. Uh, enjoy, I guess. He's brought this on himself, and this has been coming for a long, long time, G. <laughs> we get the fall. What? What the devil? What is that? <laughs> Wait a minute. Take a look. Get that dummy out of here. We're trying to conduct an interview. <laughs> Who's that? Shut him up, please. Give it a rest. Out here. What? Hey, cue ball. Who you calling a dummy? You're standing there with the genetic throwback who barks at the moon. I'm doing love scenes with Jennifer Tilly, and you're calling me a dummy? Say it again. Yeah. We call you. You're a dummy. Hey, what's the matter? For a guy who never shuts up, you sure don't have much to say, mean Gene. Well, uh, just just a second here, Uh, uh, Shut the hell up. I didn't come here to talk to you anyway. I came here to talk to that idiot standing next to you. Hey, hey. Bring your raggedy rear end down here! You got something to say to me! Wouldn't you, Ricky? You've been playing with dolls all your life. At least that's what your mother tells me. But 
I'm not your type. You need a kinder, gentler, dumber doll. Me? I'd show you what it's like to get your head twisted off, your arms and legs bent and broken, and when I'm done with you, I'd let the dogs chew on you like some old shoe. How would you like that, Ricky? You got something to say? Say it! If you ain't got nothing to say, get the heck out of here! I'm here to tell everyone that if they want to see a real pro at work, they should go and see my new movie, Bride of Chucky. Please. Opening October 16th. And I want to give you some advice, Ricky. Don't mess with Scott. You see, what I really want to do is direct. And Scott's the lead in my next project. So if you mess with Scott, you're messing with me and my Academy Award. And Chucky's going to get more than lucky, Ricky. Chucky's going to get even. <laughs> well, that's insanity. That's lunacy. <laughs> so I guess, yeah, Chuck, Chucky's just one of Scott Steiner's freaks. You know? It is. He's one of the freaks. But he says that Scott Steiner is going to be the lead in his next movie. I don't know if you've watched any of the Chucky movies that followed, Matt. That's not the case. Well, the one after Bride of Chucky was Seed of Chucky. Yeah. Guess who's not in it? Scott Steiner. That's but then after that was, I think it was just called wasn't something it, of it Chucky. Was, was Cult of Chucky, wasn't it? Cult of Chucky, which was a, not a comedy. No, it was actually, and it was kind of dope. But you know who wasn't yeah, in it? Yeah, it is good. Scott? Scott Steiner, that's right. Big Wait a minute. Uh-huh. I've, I've watched the Mark Hamill Child's Play a few yes. times. I'm yeah. just trying to think. Oh, he's Scott in it. He's, he's in it. He plays the kid's mom. He's just, he's wearing Aubrey Plaza cosplay. <laughs> I was going to say he plays Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> he's like, hey, little kid, go to your room. Holla if you hear me. It was very uh... weird. Mark Hamill hated it. Um, yeah, so Scott Steiner uh, was not in the, I don't, it's such a weird little detail to throw into the segment to be like, you need to be nice to Scott because he's going to be in my movie. We've cast well, him. How else are you going to put him in there? Like uh, RoboCop and Sting didn't make sense. I mean, no, it, but it doesn't. Sting came to the ring to save him. So you would assume this meant that uh, Chucky would come to the ring at Halloween Havoc to save Scott Steiner, right? Yes. Uh, there, no. there should be some sort of closure to the promo. Yes. Unfortunately, Chucky was never seen again. That was his only appearance. Uh, it's. He never appeared in person. He showed up. He mocked Rick Steiner. He said, Scott Steiner is the next movie. He he talked about how cool he was because he got to have sex scenes with Jennifer Tilly. And then he left and never came back. That I, was the entire thing. He wasn't. It, oh, it's so weird. I'm not going to I'm not going to sit here and like poop on celebrity appearances on wrestling promotions mm -mm. because celebrity and wrestling goes back and, you know, goes back to WWE WrestleMania one, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's always been a collaboration, but when you're inputting characters from a movie, not actors, mm -hmm. characters from a movie into promos or segments, you cannot do one-offs like this. There has to be some reason for it existing. There has to be closure to it. There has to be like, it needs three acts. You can't just have one, two, three, like I'm here and uh, he's going to be my movie. Bye again, RoboCop and sting. It was only two moments where he had the promo <laughs> setting it up. Uh, but there was a, a reason for RoboCop to exist during that match. It was a stupid reason because he just had to pull the bars off of a cage for, to help sting, but it's still there was a reason. Okay, Matt, there actually is a reason why Chucky was there. I'm getting you, mad about this. Would this you like is me to weird. Would, you, would you like me to tell you what the what the reason was? Yeah. Okay, Bride of Chucky was a New Line Cinema release. New Line Cinema is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers Pictures, which TBS was a subsidiary of Time Warner. Yeah. So, yeah, it was only because Warner Brothers needed to promote their movie. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. It's a good thing Chucky came to WCW because it surely saved the movie. Uh, it made almost <laughs> the exact same amount of money that RoboCop 2 made. It made 50 million on a 25, a reported 25 million dollar budget. Um, 
and that's the the twenty five million is like before uh, promotional materials, etc. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and you know whatever it costs for like I'm assuming they had to get Chucky a trailer backstage at WCW because this is clearly done live in the moment and not oh pre recorded on a soundstage weeks beforehand. Why um, is this making me mad? It's not good. It's the exact. It's a, it's a perfect example of how not to use celebrities in pro wrestling. What's weird is like. Some of the ones you'd expect to be the worst are the perfect examples of how to use celebrities in wrestling. You know what I'm going to bring up and I, I'm going to jump the gun on it, but I think the best use of celebrity in wrestling for promoting something is David Arquette for ready to rumble. I do not agree. I there. completely agree. No, I know you agree. You said it. You're agreeing with yourself. Shut up. I am. The, the storyline. <laughs> well, is, Matt, I'm right. I, I think it's perfect. I mean, cause you have him coming in to promote this movie. He ends up winning the world title, which yeah, it's stupid in hindsight, but I, or it was stupid then, but I kind of love it in hindsight. Fair. I, I love Arquette as the champion. Cause it just kind of, it just kind of elevated that, like that heel Hollywood jerk thing that he was kind of yeah. going for. Um, but it, it's, I mean, you all remember that horrible movie Ready to Rumble because David Arquette was in WCW. By the way, we will eventually talk about Ready to Rumble. Also, it's not I horrible. love the it's movie. It's fantastic. It's um, a great movie. I, I was not going to go in that direction. I was going to say, what, for my money, one of the best uses of celebrity was Kevin Federline. When Kevin Federline came to WWE to fight John Cena, he, like, he ended up getting beaten down. But it was like a really, for my money, in terms of what it was supposed to do, uh-huh. It worked out. It was the same thing when I think Snooki performed at a WrestleMania for some reason. Yeah, and she wasn't. And she bad, was. Actually. She was good. When it's for me, it's when the people who are partaking are actually committed to the bit. The thing yeah. with Chucky is it's a it's a fictional character. It's a doll. There's not much you could do with it in the first place. It wasn't gonna work. It wasn't gonna yeah. work. You need you need someone who is committed and someone who like actually somewhat knows the product and can have fun with it. That is why uh, Jeremy Piven did not work. Jeremy Piven uh, was, he seemed excited to be there and committed to the bit, but knew nothing about wrestling. And it came across as very strange. You want to know what screwed me up all of my life? Not all of my life. A lot of my life was, so Scott Steiner used to have the long, nice hair. And then Rick Steiner had the short hair and the goatee. Then Scott Steiner cut off his hair, dyed it blonde, and had the goatee. And his brother still looked the same. So I, for the longest uh-huh. time, thought Scott Steiner or Rick Steiner had become Scott Steiner. And I knew they were brothers, but like, I thought like he just changed his name and dyed his hair. Like, cause he stole his brother's look. Now he has weird tattoos all over him. I haven't seen him, but I'd love to. That is, this is, this segment has made me angrier than anything we've ever done. Well, then we should just move on. Chucky and WCW is bad and it should feel bad. It, the problem, the problem is. It's making, why am I mad about this? It's I so don't stupid. know. It is stupid. That's why I don't care. Oh, get me back into the future. Uh, 2004. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to jump forward exactly six years uh, because it's time to open up the gimmick junk drawer. All right, Chris, what do you, cause this is a, this is a Chris runs everything. Episode. <laughs> this is a Chris heavy episode. <laughs> what what is going on here in the in the gimmick junk in the gimmick junk drawer okay so post attitude era i believe it was the ruthless aggression era this is when i was checked out of wrestling yeah you probably made the right choice for this particular character um wwe started moving back towards some ridiculous I guess characters like some ridiculous characters that yeah. uh, were not necessarily based in reality. Yeah. Uh, one of them was a white haired person named Mordecai. Mordecai was billed as sort of a religious zealot that was there to clean WWE of its sinners. Oh, I have a question really quick. Cause I, you said I, I was picturing somebody else in my head when you said Mordecai, I was picturing a guy with, with black hair that was a vampire. Oh, not yet, Matt. We'll get there. Oh, am I jumping at? Oh, I'm jumping ahead. I just <laughs> you, looked at the thing. Yes, <laughs> you are definitely jumping ahead. Uh, Mordecai was a wrestler who worked as in developmental as seven. His name is Kevin Fertig. 
He was brought up as Mordecai and Mordecai had long bleached white hair and a bleached white goatee and bleached white eyebrows. Mm -hmm. And he wore white because he's very pure. He carried this weird, not a cross sort of cross where it was like made of like barbed wire and boomerangs and stuff. And he would like (laughs) bang it on the ground and fire would explode and everything. And his music was terrible. It was it looked like it was legit like. In my in my mind, there was someone in creative was like, "What if we did like a negative image of the Undertaker?" I'm into this. And that was the character, and he was there to cleanse WWE of sinners, um, and starting with the biggest sinner of all, Scotty Which, Too Hotty. Mm, was no. Val Venus still in the company? Nope. At that time? Matt, he his first sinner he took on at Judgment Day 2004. Was Scotty too hotty? He beat I'm, he beat him. Chris, I'm very confused. What yes. makes Scotty too hotty? Is I mean, he is very attractive, as we've already talked about in numerous episodes. He's too hotty, in fact. Yes. Uh, but what makes him a sinner? Because he just he likes to dance and he likes to like do the worm and uh, the worm. Matt dancing is the work of the devil. Oh wait, is Mordecai from the from the Footloose universe? Yes, yes. Mordecai, He's John yeah. got it. No, no, it's it's what if Kevin Bacon in Footloose took a turn, like took a horrible turn. No, it's Kevin Bacon's. Uh, is it his father? The, the whoever John Lithgow plays. Yeah, it's it. It's John, it, if John <laughs> Lithgow's character from Footloose. They should have literally just called him John Lithgow colon the wrestler. <laughs> like that would have been great. Uh, but no, so yeah, he, he, it's, it's, the whole thing is so weird. He beat up Scotty too hotty. He would come to the ring and demand and make the announcer demand the audience be quiet so he could pray for their souls. And then he would pray in the ring. Okay. Uh, Michael Cole kept call. Like I was watching Mordecai segments today to prep for this. Michael Cole keeps referring to him as the pale writer, which is just stupid. The, Okay. The I don't get that. No, he didn't ride a horse to the ring or anything. He walked to the ring with his stupid cross that he then planted in like a base at the bottom of the ramp. And then it just stood there watching over him as he beat up jobbers. Okay. I hate this and love this at the same time. Yeah. Uh, well, don't get too used to it because it did not last long. No, uh, the character was completely dropped. It, so he debuted in April. Uh-huh. The character was completely dropped in July and Ferdig was sent back to, um, developmental OBW and in looking into why I thought it was because the character was terrible because the character was terrible. However, it's been reported that he was actually sent back to OBW because he got into a bar fight. And so they took him (laughs) off of television. Get out of here, pale rider. (laughs) So then he, he worked under a different character, like a masked character in OBW after that for a year before they let him go. And then Matt, a couple years later, he yeah. came back. Yes. As the exact opposite of what he was. He was no longer a, a religious uh, zealot that was there to cleanse the world of sin. He was a vampire. He came back as Kevin Thorne in uh, WWE ECW. Um, oh, boy. He was and the he ECW was like, vampire. He was like the he was like the sexy vampire. Yeah, right? it was like it was like sexy blade rave vampire. Yeah, that's that's what like I mean. lights would flash and he came to the ring with like a sexy girl who was in like, and, like tight and, there, and there's a lot of like slow, awkward touching between him and the woman uh, yes. on the way to the ring. Yeah, he yeah. would come to the ring in like a long trench coat but with like no sleeves and it was like made out of leather or something. It was all oh, very beautiful. Silly. Yeah, it was oh. all oh, it was something else. It was this, it was like <laughs> what if Gangrel but somehow worse. You said Gangrel, but somehow worse. Gangrel is great. Yes, I, I I do apologize for my wording. It's 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 clearly trying to reignite sort of what Gangrel was able to do. But it's, like, it's, it's very it's, much a nostalgia play by WWE. Yeah, but done in like the weirdest early yeah. aughts style, where it was like, what if Gangrel like came out to rate to like trance music, and. <laughs> honestly the biggest miss in this in kevin thorne's entire run is not giving him the gangrel entrance up through the ring of fire uh shockingly uh kevin thorne the vampire uh, also did not last (laughs) much like wwecw uh he went away then he came back with like shorter hair and a different look and then he immediately went away again and uh he's gone now 
Well, that's that's the gimmick drunk drawer. That's Mordecai. Great, great job, Mordecai. Great job, Chris, putting that together. Thank you, Matt. Um, I love hate Mordecai uh, almost as much as I love hate Kevin Thorne. I have very complicated relationships with these wrestlers. Um, they're fantastic, but also uh, no. infuriate you. Yeah, yeah. And on that note, before we close out today, let's go check out some questions from listeners. Ooh, we're going to the mailbag. Chris, let me let me take a hold of this one because I've done none of the lifting this week. <laughs> That's cool. I, I also pasted the questions into the talk, Matt. <laughs> I have had a busy week of news. You have had a busy, busy week. You've been a busy boy. Actually, to be fair, editing last week's episode took the most because of all the special effects I put into it. But what an episode it was, honestly. And cutting out all your swearing from you and Keisha. Um, what the? F- I'm kidding. I'm not going to curse this No, please, time. no more swearing. So here we go. Here are some questions from Lord Pumpernickel. What's oh, I know that person. A- yes, you do. Uh, what's a rivalry you'd like to see played out, but likely will never see? Besides Mordecai versus The Undertaker? Yeah, we can't use that. We just mentioned it. I am still bummed. I was thinking about this during our goat discussion. I'm bummed that we'll never get to see a like a full range long program between Undertaker and Jericho. Yeah. Given what like and and like then I look at what each of them were able to do with Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And like, oh man, putting those two brains together to figure something out like Oh, I would kill to see that. I I would go um Robocop versus No, and this is this is this could happen, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's going to happen. And I would go with a real actual rivalry and not some be a slap together of the demon Finn Balor and the fiend Bray Wyatt. Ooh, that would be great. Or if you're gonna go with a, with a more on brand answer, Papa Shango and the Fiend Bray Wyatt. Well, do you remember when uh, the demon fought was supposed to fight Bray Wyatt? Sister Abigail? And he was supposed to fight Sister Abigail, which is just Bray Wyatt in a dress or something? That's what it was going to be, yeah. <sighs> Awful. What a time. But I'd rather, like, Bray is such an amazing, he's amazing on the creative side of things, especially now that WWE is kind of letting him do a bit more what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. And he's great in the ring, too, but Finn Balor puts on amazing matches in the ring, and I just feel that they complement each other perfectly. So if you let them do what they need to do in the ring and to set up the story, it will be one for the ages. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Whole, like that, that is something I would actually really, really like to see. Yeah. All right. So uh, here we go. Next question. Still Lord Pumpernickel, the strangest match Hogan's monster truck sumo match doesn't count. We're, we're going to do a segment at some point of when during the late 80s, early 90s, around that time when WCW was doing all these really, really weird short movies. Like when they were on the beach having a volleyball match. Um, there's remember, a bunch of weird remember when stuff they did that. spring breakout, I think it was and the ring yes. was in the pool. Yes. <laughs> a lot of weird stuff. Anyway, strangest match, Chris. Um, I don't remember what the actual match type was called, but it was. Uh, it was a WCW match, shockingly. Oh, or is it going to be the same one I'm going to pick? Go ahead. I'm just, I'm it was curious. Sting versus Vampiro, where the whole goal was to set each other on fire. Yes. <laughs> and and I'm pretty sure it ended with who I think it was Vampiro that got set on fire and then fell off the stage. Yeah. Am I crazy? Like, am I remembering this right? I, I, I believe you're correct. It was like, what if we what if a WWE Inferno match, but insane? <laughs> I would go earlier WCW and I don't remember the other competitor, but it was Dustin Rhodes. So gold dust, but he the was the natural. natural and he was fighting in on in the back of a uh, of a truck in like a there was like a hay, a bunch of hay in the back of a. Oh, my truck. God. Yeah. And like, it was on a highway and it was moving. I remember this. I, I again, I don't remember what this is called, but I remember this match and it was, they were wrestling in the back of a moving vehicle. And I believe they have like a helicopter flying overhead filming it too. Like the budget was oh, stupid for it. WCW. I don't remember any of the match. I just remember like watching it and being like, what is ha- like this is amazing and also the worst. Wow. Uh, Chris, that was most, a, that was a strange match, yeah. Most brutal match between 2010 and 2020. Ooh, t- ooh, between 2010 and 20. 20- oh, man. 
I mean, but now in turn, for you, Matt, define brutality. It's can go either way. It can go kind of a hardcore brutality can be violence, but brutality could also be you watching it and having to sit through the horrific things that are happening on the screen by horrific. I mean, bad, not violent, bad, but technically bad. Okay. Well then I feel like my match, uh, in, in, encompasses both of those things and it is Cody versus Dustin. That match was so violent and it was so hard for me to watch because, because it was so violent. I, like, I would say it's and, it's not bad. Me, I wouldn't call no, it. No, bad. I think it's a great match. It's just it's so difficult to watch. I tend to avoid the violent stuff because I'm not. It's not my cup of tea. What about um, what about that DDT Pro match we saw where they use like a toilet and Legos as weapons? That was pretty. That's brutal. like one of my uh, DDT Pro hardcore matches. Are, or I'm sorry, weapons matches are yes. amazing. Mm-hmm. I love them. They're not brutal by any means. Don't worry. For those of you who don't know what that is, we'll be talking about it in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we're going to be talking about DDT Pro, which is my secret favorite thing. Uh, God, brutal, though. I'm trying to think of something either really, really just annoying and awful, but I feel like I block so much of like the garbage out because I just don't want to think about it ever again. Um, Randy Orton versus Edge at WrestleMania. <laughs> I'm sorry. Last man standing match was was hard to watch, but yeah. for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. But most brutal within that 10 year period, there was too much wrestling. <sighs> this is tough. I don't have an answer, unfortunately. Anyway, which currently active wrestler needs a new costume and what should it be? Oh. Oh, man, I don't even know where to start with this. Can we give Seth Rollins more, something more Jesus-y? I do. I do find it surprising that Seth Rollins isn't wearing more white, more white and maybe something a little bit more flowy, more flowy. uh, I would like. I would not say go full Jesus, but I'm saying, but I would like to see uh, more uh, crosses incorporated into his ring gear. Yes. Yeah. And also, if they could give him like the preacher thing that goes like the white, the white thing, just the collar. Yeah, just the collar, though, not the shirt or anything, but just the collar that goes around the back. <laughs> That's what I would like to see. Um, ooh, you know, I really when Daniel Bryan was the planet's champion, I was really hoping they would take that a little bit further. Like, I want a 100 percent like fully recycled materials ring gear or or one of those. What are the, those hoodies that hippies wear that like, you know, they smell like, patchouli? Oh, like, like the, like the poncho hoodie. Yeah. 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 Like he came to the ring in one of those, one of those. And like literally, uh, trunks that are fashioned out of like garbage bags or something. <laughs> or it looks like, it looks like it's cut together. Like, I don't even like aluminum cans somehow. Yeah. Like something that looks like he made, he made his own or banana peels like from his garden. <laughs> I got, I got an idea. <laughs> What's up? Braun Strowman, they're, they're pushing this whole Strowman Express thing right oh, now. Which I it's don't very understand stupid. it. I don't get it. Can we just make Braun Strowman a conductor? Just, let's just go <laughs> Does all he have, the like, the hat and, the, yes. oh, like, the coveralls and, like... He's also got a pocket watch to make sure everything's running on time. <laughs> when he walks to the ring, does he go, choo-choo? No, let him be Braun Strowman, but just give him a dumb outfit. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> that would be out, so he so looks good. at the watch like he nods at the pocket watch puts it away and then just runs to the ring and flips it over flips the ring over yeah yeah <laughs> okay well, i have well. interviewed braun Strowman three or four times i always ask him about like when are you gonna flip the ring over it's gonna happen it's gonna happen he flips cars with shocking regularity oh um oh we're running kind of late here so uh chris this is from jacob mccourt You've talked about PWG in the discard, the discord that we're all in. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd love to hear your personal history with the promotion and some of the best matches that you've seen either live or online. Thanks. Uh, I've actually never seen any PWG matches online. I have a long history with them in person. I was there for the first show. I was, I went to every show for, I think the first two years when they were like 10, 20 bucks a ticket. It's like a wow. hundred bucks a ticket now. Um, uh, my favorite early mem- my first my favorite early PWG memories is I got to see CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. It was added to the card uh, the night of the show, so it wasn't planned. It was someone dropped out and they brought someone in. Spanky Brian Ken. It was supposed to be Brian Kendrick versus Punk, 
It's supposed to be Brian Kendrick versus Punk. And then Brian uh, dropped out for some reason. And they were able to get Samoa Joe to cut because Samoa Joe's an L.A. local. They were able yeah. to bring him in to replace uh, Kendrick. And it, it ended up being like an incredible match. And But yeah, well, there will be a longer PWG discussion one day because I have so many incredible memories. Uh, Kaz, Frankie Kazarian from yeah. AEW. He used to come to the ring in PWG and a lot of indie shows to You're the Best Around from the Karate Kid. Uh, the Young Bucks <laughs> came to the ring to Mbop. That was their entrance theme. It was Mbop. Perfect. Because they look like Hanson. <laughs> so yeah. That, uh, we don't get a lot of like, there are promotions in the Chicagoland area, but there's not a lot of like high profile ones, which stinks. Ring, of Honor, Ring of Honor runs Chicago Ridge now and then. There there was like when I lived in, uh, in Chicago, uh, in Logan Square, they started running a show there but i never got i didn't get to go so like the one indie show i've gone to like all in doesn't count um kind of counts well I, count I, I went, okay we'll count all in but i guess the other indie show i went to was like at a movie theater i used to work for and it was just little it was, it's a wrestling show that was very much for little kids that i had the most fun at like the baby faces were baby faces the heels were heels mm-hmm. You know, the manager for the heel wore an outfit that was too small. <gasps> yeah, I like I had a blast at that. But, it's, you know, we just don't get a lot of shows um, far west suburbs and I don't want to drive into the city. Well, once the world starts again and you come out to visit California, we will go to so many wrestling shows. Or we'll go to WrestleMania next year because it's in L.A. Yeah, but there will also be happens. indie wrestling shows happening around that time. And yeah. we're going to go to a couple of like the like the, 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 the smaller ones with the cheap beer and the whatnot. DDT. I hope it comes back. I meant like SoCal. Yes, yes, yes. We'll we'll go to DDT too. That's it for questions. Oh, oh, Chris, do you hear that? No, you do this to me every week. You add the sound in after. I don't know how you expect me to hear it. I mean, I can hear the music for the show ending right now. I can't because it's That's not weird. playing. That's weird. Well, that means it's the end of the show, Chris. Oh, you know what that means? What? That means it's time to go rate and review us on iTunes. Let us know what you think of the show. You can also send us questions, uh, WrestleBuddies at GameSpot.com. If you don't like email because it's the devil and you'd rather reach out to us on social medias, you can find us on Twitter or Instagram on at WrestleBuddies. I am at Chris Hayner. I love the fact that we're doing this thinking that people are still listening. That, that like, Cause you know, when that, that closing entrance or closing music plays, like any podcast I'm out, I'm just like, Nope, we're done. I don't oh, need to I listen this. to the very end because I'm not a monster, but that's I'm cool. A monster. I know. Hey, follow me on Twitter. I'm Matt Elfring. That's I am M A T E L F R I N G. I'm also then on Instagram, but whatever. And we'll be back in a week to talk about not Robocop. Okay. Well, that was easy. Yeah. All right. See you next week, everybody. (laughs) Bye.